You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So we're following this series where we've already looked at what it means to pray persistently. Last week, it was about dealing with our doubts. Today, it's about dealing with defeats. Fact is, everyone experiences failure in life. In case you hadn't noticed, life is not a series of victories and mountaintop experiences. We all have setbacks and failures and losses and defeats. No one is perfect. Everyone makes mistakes, and sometimes those mistakes can seem to overwhelm. Maybe you feel like that. So this morning, we want to look at some of the ways that 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 failure happens? What are some of the causes of failure? And then discover what God's word has to say about starting over. How do you get a fresh start when you've had a bad major failure in life? The book of Proverbs is going to offer a lot of insight this morning. So what are some of the causes of failure? According to Proverbs, we fail when we don't make room for God in our plans. Proverbs 16, 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In other words, we may make plans. In fact, you should make plans. But we should only make those plans as we count on God to direct us. So very simply, one of the reasons we fail is that we don't make plans that include God. Was it raining when Noah was building the ark. No. In fact, it wasn't going to rain for decades. I guess you could say that's long-range planning. For 75 years, at least, Noah worked on that ark. Why? Because God had directed him to. He included God in his plans. Second, we fail when we think we've arrived, and there's a word associated with that. It's called pride. Proverbs says we fail when we think we have it all together. You're never going to get anywhere if you think you're already there. So the message of Proverbs 18, 12, here it is in the Good News translation. Arrogant people are on the way to ruin. When we think we have it all together, watch out. Pride causes us to fail. Do you know the average American always thinks that they're above average? I mean, if I were to poll this room, I don't know anybody would say, well, I'm just average. No, we all think we're above average. And you know, it's interesting that the words normal and average basically mean the same thing until they describe us. I mean, we all want to be normal, but no one just wants to be average. We want to be above average. And one of the symptoms of pride is that we don't think we need advice from anyone. I've got it all together. I don't need anyone else telling me different. Number three, we fail when we're afraid to take risks. Proverbs 29:25 is a great verse to drive this point home. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You know what this is saying? 
the moment you start to worry about what other people think, you're doomed. It's a trap. And the fear of failure can cause failure. When in fact, the greatest failure is the failure to try. When we're afraid to take risks, risks that are God-directed, that is. So now, how do you know if a risk you're willing to take is God-directed? Two things. First, know that God is never going to lead you to something that is against His will. How do you know what His will is? Read the Bible. In other words, He's not going to steer you towards something that is contrary to Scripture. And second, how do you know the risk that you're willing to take is God-directed? He's never going to lead you to harm. Only, He's going to lead you only, according to Romans 12, 2, to that which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Number four, we fail when we give up too soon. The trouble with many of us is that when we go through trying times, we just stop trying. Think about this. How many ball games have been won in the closing seconds? You keep on keeping on. Here for the third week in a row, part of the message is don't give up. Here's a verse not from Proverbs. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Our problem is we give up too soon. This verse is telling us if at first you don't succeed, you're normal. Try again. Many times success is just around the corner. You're only a failure if you quit. In an article entitled, But They Did Not Give Up, the failure of legendary characters is recounted. And let me give you some of this list. As a young man, Abraham Lincoln went to war a captain returned a private. Afterwards, he was a failure as a businessman. As a lawyer, he was too impractical and temperamental to be a success. He turned to politics and was defeated in his first try for the legislature. Again, defeated in his first attempt to be nominated for Congress. Defeated in his application as commissioner of the General Land Office. Defeated in a senatorial election of 1854. Defeated in the try at vice president in 1856. And defeated in a senatorial election in 1858. Thomas Edison's teachers said, quote, he was too stupid to learn anything. He was fired from his first two jobs for being non-productive. Albert Einstein didn't speak until he was four years old and didn't learn to read until he was seven. His parents thought he was subnormal. And one of his teachers described him as, and I quote, mentally slow, unsociable, and adrift forever in foolish dreams. Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before he succeeded. R.H. Macy failed seven times before his store in New York City caught on. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor because, and I quote, he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. <laughs> and after Fred Astaire's first screen test, the memo from the testing director at MGM Studios dated 1933 read, can't act, can't sing, slightly bald, can dance a little. 
we often fail when we give up too soon. So if you're going to fail, at least fail intelligently. (laughs) What I mean by that is learn something from it. Here's, Here's another one of our passages, because I got way out of line with these. Number five, we fail when we don't listen to God. It's probably the number one reason we fail. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. On the other hand, Scripture is full of principles and guidelines to get us to where God wants us to be in life and what we need to be. But for most of us, what we're most concerned with is how we feel. We talked about this last week. Well, I feel like this or that, or I feel like a failure. I feel like I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do my own thing. The fact is God's word is usually the opposite of our natural inclination. God says the way to get is to give. The way to be honored is to be humbled. The way to be great is to be a servant. All the paradoxes of the Bible. It's almost as if you take your natural inclination, do the exact opposite, and figure that's probably God's will. God tells us through the prophet Isaiah, my ways are not like your ways. My ways are higher than yours. When we don't listen to God, we're in trouble. Lack of reading the Bible and praying leads us to fail. Well, regardless of the cause, we all fail. The question is, what do you do when you fail? How how do you respond? You see, God is much more interested in our future than in our past, and Scripture shows us the way to get a fresh start. Three things. How to get a fresh start, number one, accept responsibility for your own failure. Again, Proverbs, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. If you made a mistake, admit it. You say, I blew it. I'm living a lie. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Be honest with others. You know that the three hardest words that ever formed a sentence is, I was wrong. Why is that so hard? Because we're experts at passing the buck. It's part of our sin nature. Adam blamed his wife. Eve blamed the serpent. And Adam comes back around and blames God. It's the woman you gave me. And we've been doing it ever since. And we're really good at it. We blame the economy, we blame the weather, we blame fate or luck or astrology or our parents or a spouse or the government. And God says, if you want to start over, if you failed, admit it. I don't know where we got the idea that we have to pretend to be perfect. We're not. You're not perfect and neither am I. Accept responsibility for your own failure. The second way to get a fresh start in life is to stop regretting and start repenting. When you've had a major failure, stop regretting and start repenting. The Greek word for repent means you have a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction. It's doing a 180. It means you change. You do something about it. You don't just sit around and moan, I'm a failure. I'm a flop. I I can never be used of God again. I'm worthless. I think God's just going to set me on a shelf. 
Listen to this from 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. So just in this verse, there are two kinds of sorrow that's mentioned. Godly sorrow, worldly sorrow, what's the difference? Godly sorrow motivates you to change. It brings a change of heart. It, it motivates you to do something. I'm going to change. I, I want to be different. I, I want to learn from this. Worldly sorrow, on the other hand, is demoralizing and depressing. And it brings with, this, with it one of the hardest human emotions, and that's self-pity. Self-pity that says, I'm no good. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Nothing ever goes right. You don't learn anything in a pity party. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads you to repentance. It leads to a change of heart. So stop regretting. Regret doesn't change anything. It's like you're always just looking in the past. Try driving a car that way. <laughs> See how far down the road you get. Stop regretting and do something about it with God's help. You can make a change. And finally, when it comes to a fresh start in life, trust God to work it all out. So accept responsibility for your failure. Stop regretting and start repenting and trust God to work it out. You've probably heard the theological illustration of doing needlework. If you've ever looked at needlework up close, especially like cross-stitch patterns, You've got this beautiful picture on one side, but what happens when you flip it over? It looks like a jumbled web of, of knots and threads. You wouldn't make any sense out of it. And sometimes that's what we look at. We're so focused on, the, on what's the underside. But God sees it all. And from God's perspective, he's creating an entire picture for us that's put together according to his plan. We look at it. We see the jumbled mess from the inside, and we think, how on earth can anything good come out of this? You know, I used to worry about the source of the problems that came into my life a lot more than I do now. You know, is this a problem that came because of the devil at work? Is this something that other Christians have brought to me? Is this a problem because the Lord has brought this? Is it because I've done something on my own? But the more I grow as a Christian, I think I better understand that it doesn't matter where the source of the problem, it doesn't matter because God will still use it. You see, God has a way of overriding our big mistakes. He has a way of working them all out for our good. Think for a moment about the heroes of the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Just think about the, the ancestors of our faith. Almost every one of them are listed out in one chapter. It's Hebrews chapter 11. And there, in that Hall of Fame picture of these heroes of the faith, are men and women who have two things in common. Number one, they're all losers. Here in that list of Cain and Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and so many more. They are men and women who are adulterers and murderers and liars and cheats and swindlers and weak-willed and wishy-washy. They have two things in common. Number one, they're all losers. And number two, 
God used every one of them. Think about it. If God only used perfect people, what would get done? Absolutely nothing. Because there are no perfect people. The fact is, God uses us in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our problems, in spite of our faults and hang-ups and mixed motives. God still uses us. I think what God might want to say to us this morning is that he wants you to take your greatest failure. That area of greatest failure for you that you want to hide and keep secret, he wants to turn it into your greatest strength. He wants to make a life message out of it for you. And that's what he does. So what is your area of weakness? Whatever it is, that's what God wants to work on in your life. I love this verse from Jonah 3.1. Now, we think of Jonah, we think automatically, you know, okay, there's a whale somewhere in the story. But this one verse, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The importance of that phrase is that it helps remind us that we serve a God who's the God of second chances. You want a fresh start? It doesn't matter what you've done. Your assurance this morning is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Friends, take to heart that God specializes in new beginnings. It's never too late to start over. You say, yeah, but my life adds up to one big negative. I'm a failure. So how does God take a negative and turn it into a positive? How does God take a minus in your life and turn it into a plus? He makes a cross out of it. He takes crucifixions and makes them into resurrections. And he's really good at it. He's done it before. Jesus Christ was nailed on the cross in your place for your sins so that you don't have to. So stop nailing yourself to the cross. That's the good news. What I want to invite you to do right now is bow your heads and close your eyes and reflect with me for just a few moments. Some of you have had a tough week, a tough month, or maybe several months. Maybe you'd even say, I've had a tough life. I feel like a failure. Maybe it's in your personal life. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you feel like a failure with your children. Maybe you feel like a failure at school or in your career or in relationships with other people. You'd like a fresh start. You can begin anew. With Jesus Christ in your life, the best is yet to come. Lord Jesus, we don't understand it all. It seems too good to be true that you could forgive us, but you can. And you can help us focus on living for you. Lord, we want to believe that you can work all things for good, even the bad things in life. Lord, somehow use them, even the bad choices we've made, and fit them into the pattern that 
you've got for our lives. And then help us do something. Help us to change. And even more than that, help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.